Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, energized life that totally rocks. You're listening to Straight Talking Natural Health, a no BS podcast for busy people who want to ditch the fatigue, find balance and feel great with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest is a naturopath who's been on this show before. She was on Straight Talking Natural Health episode 13. She works in a niche that's unfortunately growing in Australia and I suspect it has been growing even more since we spoke to her last because that was pre-COVID. That niche is thyroid disorders. She has over 25 years of clinical experience and not only still sees clients, she also mentors loads of us naturopaths and nutritionists on how to manage our tricky and sometimes complex thyroid clients. She's back today to talk about a particular thyroid issue that is often missed in clinic, both by medical practitioners and naturopaths and nutritionists. It can cause the signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism, yet it can be undetectable on a standard thyroid test. Uh oh it's called cellular hypothyroidism and I can't think of a better person to walk us through this today so please welcome to the show the very lovely Tara Nelson hello hi Jules thanks for having me back oh I'm so glad to have you back because honestly like no I'm not blowing smoke mate you are like the thyroid queen in Australia amongst us practice Oh, thank you. Thank you. And as we were saying sort of before we started is that, um, oh, we probably hear my roosters crowing out there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to edit that out. I love it. Um, yeah, I still get people who, I mean, it was quite a while ago that we had our first uh, interview and I still get uh, patients, you know, book in and say, oh, I listened to your um, interview with Jules Galloway and I got so much from it. So yeah, it's fantastic to, yeah, just sort of come in with a bit more updated information. Awesome. All right. Well, this this one is a really curly one today because it's something that even when I was starting out as a practitioner, I had like no idea about. So what is this cellular hypothyroidism and why don't we know about it? Yeah, well, it's it's not it's something that's been around for many, many years, but it's not one that's, you know, commonly known, definitely not by sort of medical practitioners. Uh, and, you know, and some naturopaths as well. But it's the best sort of or easiest way to explain it is it's hypothyroidism triggered at a cellular level. So, you know, the, we have those thyroid hormones which are produced by the thyroid gland. So our thyroid hormones are our T4 and our T3. And basically they are produced in the thyroid gland. They go out into the bloodstream and they travel around the body into target cell, to the target cell, whether it be that a brain, a gut. I mean, pretty much every single cell and tissue in the body requires thyroid hormones to function well. But what happens is that the the thyroid hormone comes up to the cell and it can't actually cross into the cell. So when we get a metabolic effect, that's when those thyroid hormones cross over into the cell and that sends a signal back into the brain and this beautiful feedback loop goes around and round and it's sort of it's that homeostatic balance. But when the thyroid hormones can't get into the cell, this can cause hypothyroid symptoms and it can be occurring for many, many years but not actually show up on pathology tests. So it doesn't actually report on pathology testing. So that is why it's very, very difficult to diagnose. So you can have a perfect TSH, a perfect T4, a perfect T3, like everything would look hunky-dory? Hunky-dory. And these are the patients that, you know, will come to us uh, and, you know, I'll be listening to their, you know, symptoms and their signs and I'll think, yep, you have hypothyroidism and I send them off back to their GP to get that full thyroid panel And, you know, they come back in and they have picture perfect or what we call TFTs or or thyroid hormone pathology results. So they have a really, you know, naturopathically normal TSH, uh, you know, naturopathically normal T4, T3, and yet they're experiencing a lot of hypothyroid symptoms. Also, you know, these will be um, the, the, the patients or the people out there that have constantly gone back to their doctor or or they've listened to our podcast before and gone, I've got all those signs and symptoms. And they'll go back to their GP and say, it has to be my thyroid. Um, Test it again. And the doctors will test it. And even in the, you know, doctor's ranges, they'll say, it's not your thyroid. You're fine. It's not your thyroid. So should we do a very quick recap of those signs and symptoms for anyone who hasn't 
listen to our earlier podcast or come across them before. Yeah, sure. And, you know, if you think about every single cell in the tissue, uh, sorry, in the body needing or acquiring thyroid hormones, um, in hypothyroidism, there can be many, many signs of hypothyroidism, of, of sort of low thyroid hormones in the body. So, you know, you've got your atypical, you know, your mental and physical fatigue and tiredness. You've got your weight gain. Um, you've got your brain fog, your dry skin, your brittle hair, hair loss. Um, but it can be so many others, such as frequent infections, you know, cold. Ha- I've got a list here. I've got like an A4 paper I'm looking at. <laughs> So every system can be affected with low thyroid hormones, a low immune system, puffiness, hoarseness in the throat, infertility, loss of libido, uh, mood swings, frequent headaches, decreased sweating, fluid retention. You know, there's so many signs and symptoms. There's no specific signs and symptoms. Uh, You know, there's a few definitely very common ones, but it can actually affect many, so many systems in the body. So there is a long list of thyroid symptoms. I think also since COVID, I've seen like anxiety, especially coming up in that list of symptoms a little bit more often than before as well. And even a bit of sort of mild depression in a lot of my thyroidy people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Low thyroid hormones can definitely, I think that the brain, the more and more I research into thyroid, the brain has such a huge affinity for thyroid hormones. Um, and, you know, we can talk about the brain and the pituitary a little bit there and its uniqueness in this whole cellular hypothyroidism situation. But, um, you know, if the, you're not getting those thyroid hormones, there's not enough thyroid hormones to go around or they're not able to get into those brain cells, then you're going to see a lot more anxiety and depression. And the unique thing about, uh, you know, hypothyroidism or even cellular hypothyroidism is that everyone has different uh, receptors at their cells so we don't all have very atypical receptors uh, for thyroid hormones to cross so you might have um, an increased sort of receptor sensitivity in your brain and that's why you may in low thyroid in a low thyroid hormone or cellular hypothyroidism state experience anxiety and depression say more than me I might feel it more I might have more thyroid hormone receptor sensitivity in my gut and so I experience more digestive issues like constipation so it is a very much a unique um, uh, thing here as far as like where we need or where we may have low thyroid hormones and receptors in the body. Does that oh, make sense? That makes so much sense, honestly, because it's it's always done my head in as well. Like, okay, why does that person have weight gain and fatigue? Mm. But that yes. other person, their predominant symptom is like joint pain and someone else's predominant symptom is their skin and their hair. And, and like I said earlier, someone else will have anxiety or depression. So right. that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. So, and because of that wide variability of, you know, the sensitivity to the thyroid hormones and the thyroid hormone receptors, that's why we see so many symptoms in hypothyroidism because it can literally affect, you know, every sort of body system. Yeah. And I think it's really important to to let people know as well that you don't have to have all the symptoms in order to have yep. this this as a as a problem because not not everyone has all the symptoms like it's very rare that you would have a hypothyroid patient in front of you who had who was ticking every single box no no generally and i know there's some sort of um, research uh sort of graphs or tables or um categories and usually there's about sort of 12 main hypothyroid symptoms um and generally from a medical point of view if you tick sort of four for at least four of those symptoms, then they would class you as hypothyroid and then you'd, then you'd be sort of go down the route of like testing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. And it's a way as, as also practitioners too, if you've seen more, you know, four to five hypothyroid symptoms, um, but pathology is still, uh, or if all your patients out there, if, you, if you've got sort of four or more hypo, general hypothyroid symptoms um, and your pathology is uh, you know, normal, then you may consider this cellular hypothyroidism. So that the symptoms are definitely one of the things we can, we actually look at there to, to sort of yeah. diagnose cellular hypothyroidism. And I, I reckon once you once you get a handle on cellular hypothyroidism as a practitioner, you start to know, like you start to see it yep. because you just go, I would bet my house on this person's thyroid pathology yep. coming back, um, you know, off range, mm-hmm. and it comes back in range, and you're like, no. And you check the name at the top and you're like, oh, no, it is her. Okay. Hmm. No, no, no. She's a walking talkie, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. It's a duck. It's so funny. I'm I'm laughing because oftentimes I've actually gone, hang on, am I looking at the right? (laughs) What? 
the name. I mean, a couple of times I have got test fix up and gone, oh, actually, sorry, that's in the wrong pile. That is not <laughs> but for these definitely cellular hypos, I go, oh, gosh, no, that, that cannot be your thyroid results. But, yes, it can be. Yeah. So how common is cellular hypo? Like how, like how often do you see something like this happen? I think it's fairly common, you know. It's definitely for those people that I'm really thinking that there's something going on, they're coming to me, you know, especially if it's a new patient, they're saying, look, I really think it's I tick all the thyroid boxes, but I've constantly been told my thyroid's fine, my thyroid's fine. So um, then I will, yeah, go and have a look at those other signs and symptoms and sort of looked at, okay, what what else is going on and, and is it indeed selling? So it is fairly common. Yeah which is really scary because that makes me just think about how many people are walking around out there who have this, who explored the whole thyroid thing with a practitioner, got told they were fine and went, hmm, I guess I just don't know what's going on. And if this is not diagnosed, this is not picked up and treated and supported, it can then lead to um, a more permanent hypothyroidism. So once we start to see uh, you know, uh, low thyroid hormones, so starting to see on pathology, low thyroid hormones, and then the correspondingly rise in TSH. Um, once that pathology sets in, then you are experiencing what we call like a primary hypothyroidism. And then, you know, your, your thyroid gland is really struggling. And once the thyroid gland has actually tripped on, be it just um, you know, high primary hypo or even leading more to, down the road to a, like a autoimmune Hashimoto's, you know, it's, it's very, it's, um, you know, we can do a lot of support through diet, lifestyle, naturopathic treatments. But once that gland has been switched on like that, and you're seeing that, you know, glandular pathology, it, it's, it's, it's quite permanent, you know, it's, you can definitely get it down to really good results, but you've always got to support it. It's always there. And then it's always susceptible of being tripped on again. So we really want to pick up cellular and then prevent it progressing because we can definitely indeed do that. Wow. It's almost like the cellular hypothyroidism becomes like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it can be for sure. It definitely can. All right. There's no test for this though. Well, we can. uh, There are a couple of ways we can sort of look at it. So... um, so we can look. So what happened? Let's have to sort of have a talk about what happened. So with uh, what we're seeing in uh, uh, cellular hypothyroidism is, as I said before, mainly, so our thyroid gland makes mainly T4, right? And then yeah. that T4 has to cross over to the cell where, it's, where it has that conversion through T3. And then that T3 gives that beautiful metabolic effect in the cell. And then that feedback loop goes back to the brain to say, yeah, we've got hormone adequacy here, here you know, and everything sort of stabilizes. The, um, what we know about cellular hypothyroidism and what we know about um, th- thyroid hormones getting into the cell is it's very much um, what, we, what we call in, um, energy dependent. So um, we need every cell in our body needs to be really quite healthy and have good energy. So really good what we call mitochondrial function within that cell for those thyroid hormones to cross. Now, the interesting thing is, is that T4 is much more energy dependent than, T- than T3. And a thyroid hormone, a thyroid gland mates predominantly around 97% T4 and around sort of like, you know, the rest 3% T3. So it's a lot of T4 that needs to cross into the cell and um, the cells need really good energy. So I just want you to sort of think about here too, Jules, throwing this in the mix, is that <laughs> how many patients are taking T4 medications? Oh, God, so many. So, so many. many. And that is, well, it's all T4, levothyroxine, thyroxine, uristic, you know, all oroxine, they're all T4 based. So our patients or people need to have really good cellular energy to get that T4 into the cell. So therein lies the problem. Now, what we know a lot about uh, cellular hypothyroidism is if you have what we call, um, you know, an energy deficit or a condition in the body, and this is sort of another big diagnosis of cellular hypothyroidism, is when we're seeing conditions um, characterised by low energy in the body. So those things, I mean, if you think about when we age, our cells become more fatigued, obviously chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, chronic infections, stress, HPA dysfunction, high cortisol is a big reason that gives us very quiet fatigue cells and low mitochondrial energy. Um, inflammation, 
Some other ones here, such as insulin resistance, diabetes, obesity, depression, you know, all these neurogenitive diseases. So these um, conditions that I've just talked about are associated with a low energy state. And therefore, we're going to see reduced transport of that T4 into the cell. So whenever I'm thinking cellular hypothyroidism, so number one, I'm looking at signs and symptoms. I'm sending them off to pathology. They're coming back with those normal, uh, you know, normal thyroid hormones. So then I'm looking at, okay, what else is going on in the body? And if they are indeed experiencing any of these low uh, uh, energy states, you know, how many people, uh, you know, like with COVID and the past two years are suffering from anxiety and, and a bit of depression? How many people have, you know, um, suffer from migraines or headaches or, you know, cardiovascular issues. So that's the sort of next step is to, is there anything else going on? Because all those conditions point to a low cellular state and that's going to prevent uh, that T4 getting into the cell for conversion to T3. And when you reeled off all those names of all those those um, conditions that could be related to a low energy state, I was just like, she's just described all of my clients. Hundred percent. That's everyone who comes to me has has one of those things. Yeah, exactly. So when we think about testing, what we can do. So we think about you know what happens when um, that T three is not really sorry that T four is getting not getting to the cell. Like T three will get over to the cell quite readily um, because T three is not as energy energy dependent as T four. So it's the T four that's actually. energy dependent. So what happens a lot of it is that, um, and the, and another reason maybe we can talk about why it isn't picked up on blood tests before we talk about some testing that we can perhaps look at, is that when we, when people are in that very low energy state, so any of those conditions that we talked about, there's generally going, like we think about HPA dysfunction or chronic stress and high cortisol, we're generally going to see low thyroid hormones. There'll be a lower, even at a slight sort of rate adjustment, a lower baseline thyroid hormones anyway. And then when it doesn't get into the cell, um, it might just bump up those hormones a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And, and then, these, these low baseline people, I always think, is that sort of around sort of your you know, 12, 12 and a half, 13 people yes. who come back with their T4 readings. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then, but, but you know, with the cell, with the, the, the thyroid hormones not getting into the cell, it might just bump them up a little bit. So it might raise them a little bit. So it sort of like levels out the playing field there. The second reason um, is why it doesn't show up on tests is that when our T4 can't get into the cell to be converted to T3, a lot of it will go off to reverse T3. And that's actually a biomarker that we can test for. So if we're seeing overall a higher reverse T3 to T3, uh, we call that the reverse T3 to T3 ratio, then that can tell us that can be another sign symptom of um, cellular hypothyroidism also. But there's another really cool reason, and this is so exciting when I did my research about this and found out about this, is that the pituitary, so when we, you know, we thought we talk about, uh, you know, thyroid hormone metabolism or, or anatomy physiology in the body, in response to low thyroid hormones, the hypothalamus sends down TRH, a little marker to the pituitary to tell the pituitary gland um, to send down TSH to the, the thyroid stimulating hormone to the thyroid gland to produce more hormones. There's low thyroid hormones in the blood. So that feedback goes back to the brain in the pituitary, send down TSH. Um, but interesting, and then the, and then the thyroid gland will make more hormones. They'll go out into the bloodstream, cross over to the cell, fix up those low thyroid hormones, and then that message will go back to the brain. But here's this really interesting thing: is that the pituitary gland has its own receptors to T3, so it's almost like in low thyroid hormones, the t- the pituitary is able to bump up its own T3 levels. It has its t- totally different receptor like thyroid hormone receptors than the rest of the body's tissues so it's almost (laughs) I know I wonder if I've actually found this information out I was so excited I'm like oh my god I love these this like these bodies amazing homeostatic little things that just you know it's it's just so cool so the the pituitary pretty much running its own race here so it's got its little backup plan I love it Plan. So that is why that's another key area why we don't see it reflected in pathology. We would think if that you know teeth four is not crossing over into the cell, that would be reflected. 
Um, and the pituitary would go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that. I'm hearing that. I'm going to send down TSH. But the pituitary is going, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm fine. What are you talking about? So it doesn't. <laughs> i got enough. <laughs> Screw the rest of you. <laughs> oh, the, the, so that is why it's not reflected in. So we're not seeing a high TSH in response to those low thyroid hormones as well. Because so, pituitary is only looking after number one. Nice. So number one, which is kind of important because the brain is a really, you know, essential area to have, you know, good T3. Now, um, so going back to testing for this, so reverse T3 is one. So, you know, reverse T3 is a natural or normal uh, physiological um, biomarker of the thyroid. So reverse T3 is produced, and yeah, um, say when if, someone, if you have an accident or, you know, you're bleeding out after a car accident, we don't want to be digesting and metabolizing and, you know, doing all those things that, you know, thyroid hormones do in our cells. So reverse T3 will be raised in times of like stress or um, fasting or trauma or calorie restriction, things like that. It's when the body perceives a danger going on and it will go, well, I'm going to put a lot of that uh, T4 off to reverse T3 because we don't want that T3 bumped up and going off to the cells for metabolism. So it's a normal sort of metabolic um, effect. And this will happen in those low energy states as well is we'll see a lot of the T4 going off through reverse T3 because it can't get into the cell and there could be those reasons, um, you know, insulin resistance or, you know, depression or any of those low energy states also. So we can test reverse T3 there and if that is high, we we normally work out a little bit of a ratio. It's Reverse T3 is, is um, directly proportional to your T3. So as practitioners, we work out a little ratio to see if you are actually in that reverse T3 dominance. And that can be a sign that, yeah, you are indeed um, suffering from cellular hypothyroidism if you have, you know, those other normal pathology markers plus the symptoms. If it's cellular hypothyroidism and the reverse T3 is high, does that mean that your actual T3 will still be within a decent range? Um, can be, yes. Yeah, it can be, or T3 could be a little low. So mm. if, if it's cellular hypothyroidism, yeah, we might see a normal T3, but a higher reverse T3. Because I know that like, you know, there's like everyday stress and high cortisol and inflammation and illness can cause an increase in reverse T3 anyway, yes. but yes. we often know to look for that when we get a report back and it says that the T3 is low and we're like, oh, something's causing a problem converting the T4 to T3. And then we have a look at reverse T3. And if that's high, we're like, okay, cool. Um, but it, now it kind of sounds like there's a bit of chicken in the egg almost like did these low energy states cause, you know, cause the increase in reverse T3 or did the increase in reverse T3 feed back into these low, do you know what I mean? Like we're going around and around now, like there's. I know, yeah. Um, there's so much going on. I know, there is so much going on. But it, I guess it's just like, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense that, it, you know, if t is not getting into the cell, it has to go somewhere. So it yeah. naturally can just bump up that kind of like borderline low-ish thyroid hormone, still considered normal on pathology. If a GP was looking at it, we'd be looking a little bit closer and going, well, that's actually quite low there in that chronic stress state. Um, and then, yeah, but, but but if T4 can't get into the cell, a lot of it will go off to that reverse T3. That's just a natural metabolic function. It's got to go somewhere. So it'll go to the Reverse T3. Reverse T3 is a metabolic break. So when I'm seeing high reverse T3, I know these people aren't metabolizing. Um, they're not, they don't have energy. They can feel really sluggish, um, you know, have a lot of brain fog, um, you know, can't lose the weight. They can be very cold. It's just, yeah, low T3, a high reverse T3 is just, it's not a great place to be. Mm. So it's happening there, you know, and looking at again. Um, you know, their T4, if they're taking thyroxine in this, you know, their T4 might look lovely. It could be a 16 and 18 up there on the pathology, but then you're looking at the T3 and going, well, that looks really sluggish. So where's that T4 going? And why is it not being, you know, not being going to T3? So one of the reasons could be it just can't get into the cell. So I always talk to my, my clients about, you know, when I'm first having in front of me, there's three things I really want to make sure or identify in assessments. Like number one, can your thyroid gland make thyroid hormones? And we'll be looking at the T4 there, making sure there's T4 adequacy. If they're taking thyroid medication, a T4 medication, again, I want to see that T4 up in the 16 to 18 above sort of marker. So yeah, okay, you your thyroid gland or you can make thyroid hormones or yes, you're absorbing your thyroid medication. The next thing is, 
can you convert that T4 to T3? So then I'll be looking at that, you know, T4 to T3 conversion. Um, that's when we want to see T3 up in the higher realms, you know, in the, the 4.5 and above to up to, up to 6. Um, and then the next step is can they get it into the cell? So, you know, that's the sort of three steps I'd be looking at. And if they're still experiencing, they've still got normal thyroid hormones, um, so they're, they're producing or converting well, they're convert, sorry, they're producing and absorbing T4, they're converting well, but they still have a lot of thyroid symptoms, then I'd be looking at possibly cellular hypothyroidism there and checking yeah. their T3. Does that sort of make sense? It's sort of like a yeah. flow diagram of, yeah, that's the next step. Okay, yeah, you're doing those first steps well, but what's happening? You've still got a lot of thyroid symptoms. You're cold, you can't lose weight, you've got brain fog. Um, you've got menstrual irregularity. So where's all that T4 or T3 going? It's not getting into the cell and having a metabolic effect. So what's blocking it? And it's usually these low, uh, sorry, these, yeah, low energy states in the body or, you know, um, conditions associated with low, what we call low mitochondrial function. Those powerhouses in our cells are just really fatigued. So ongoing insulin resistance, ongoing chronic fatigue, ongoing you know, stress and anxiety will cause those cells to be really fatigued. Yeah. So cellular hypothyroidism is really, it's a condition of the cells. Your thyroid's working fine. Your pituitary gland is all good, but your cells are what are not letting those thyroid hormones in. So we really need to look at the health of the cell and how we can improve the health of the cell. We often, oftentimes in cellular hypothyroidism, I don't treat the thyroid gland. I'm treating that low energy state and that will improve the health of the cell and improve that cellular uptake of thyroid hormones and when you look at all those conditions you reeled off before about low energy states you can immediately see what needs to be done like yes. inflammation okay we've got to yeah. get that down the insulin resistance and diabetes okay well we've got to get the blood sugars stabilized you know chronic fatigue fibro okay we've got to sort out the gut Yes. Um, like if there's any, and again, if there's inflammation and, and it's associated with autoimmunity, then we also have to sort out the gut. So there's there's yeah. definitely clues, heaps of clues in mm. those low energy states about what needs to be dealt with next. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So and just um, another thing to look at, you know, there has been a research about um, patients taking benzodiazepine medications such as like diazepam or Valium. Um, there's basically that those medications can also inhibit T3 uptake into the cells of the body as well and actually don't actually have an effect on that T3 into the pituitary. So that was just one sort of research study that I put down there. So there's there's many things that can, can affect that cellular uptake. But just going back to the testing, so we can look at reverse T3. Another little test we can bring in, which is great for people to do at home, is the basal temperature tracking. Mm -hmm. um, and that you know, taking that temperature first thing in the morning and recording it. Um, so, you know, we're looking for, you know, temperatures below, consistent temperatures below 36.5 for more than three days can indicate sort of um, tissue hypothyroidism and also temperatures above that 36.9 can indicate hyperthyroidism. So you want something in, in the middle there. So just another sign and tracker that we can bring in um, to go, okay, yeah, you, you look like you've got a lot of those signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism because of that low or high temperature there. So cellular hypothyroidism will drop your basal temperature yes. usually. Yep. Oh, yes. That's awesome. It can't get into the cell. It's not having that cellular effect. That is why these people still experience um, symptoms. They're, they've got those hypothyroid symptoms because they're not getting their thyroid hormones into the cell. Oh, and this, But this is so awesome because this is something we can easily test for at yeah. home. We just send them to the pharmacy to get a basal thermometer, mm -hmm. which is like a thermometer to two decimal places. Like I tell them to just go to the fertility aisle next to all the the, the baby testing, you know, the pregnancy testing kits and ovulation testing kits. It's there. And then we can send them home to just do like, what, five mornings of basal tracking? Yeah, I generally like to, you know, in, usually if, if you're a menstruating uh, woman and in, in the first part of your cycle, in that sort of follicular phase is best before we see sort of, you know, normal temperature, hormonal temperature rises, you know, mid-cycle. Mm -hmm. um, generally around that first week, um, if you're not, just any time, but just, you know, taking into account. But, um, yeah, just for five, I usually say any more than sort of around three days is good. And I usually try, like this is a great test to use in treatment as well, is that I'll get them to do this as a baseline. 
And then maybe, you know, the next month when we've actually been working on the body, we'll, we'll test again and we can actually see improvements in that temperature. So it's a great guide to go, wow, yeah, actually, actually my temperature is lifting. You know, I'm feeling better and I'm actually seeing my temperature rise. So that, that can indicate that I'm actually getting my thyroid hormones into the cell a lot better. And that's so cool. Like it's, it, it just makes it really simple. Like in my mind, I can kind of see that flow chart forming where it's like all thyroid markers were normal, but yes. if basal temperature is low, mm. then consider cellular hypothyroidism. Like simple. Yes. That's so good. Yeah. And test reverse T3. So if that's going to be high, you know, the other one is saliva cortisol. I mean, you know, test looking at, over a 24 hour period, the cortisol, if someone's experiencing, you know, chronic stress and we're looking at their cortisol, really, you know, quite high cortisol levels, then that can actually affect that health of the cell and, um, and affect thyroid hormones as well. So that's another yeah. one to, you know, sometimes I might test, I mean, that's a picture, but yeah, generally those um, things are good to test. I've seen a lot of high cortisol lately, Tara. A mm, lot of high yes. cortisol. Thanks, COVID. You screwed it up for Absolutely. everyone. Yes. <laughs> oh mm. no! But yeah, it is. It's a. It's a pretty easy test to do, and it only. I say it only costs about one hundred and twenty bucks. But I mean, you know, when it comes to functional medicine testing, that's on the. You know, that's on the cheaper side of some of them. So. <laughs> It is. And I always say, look, this is what we're going to, I do like reverse T3 as a baseline, you know, at the start of every sort of, you know, new thyroid patient, I'm going to say, look, let's get that full thyroid panel. Let's get reverse T3 as well. You'll have to pay for it, but but I probably won't get it tested again unless I've got really high, you know, it's really high, very, very low. And I'm looking to, you know, I'm really working on restoring that, but yeah, it's a good baseline for me to actually see again, those three steps in that, you know, can you produce the hormones? Are you converting it are you getting it into the cell it's it's a really good info you know piece of piece of the puzzle to look at to have at that baseline to go right yep that's high that's low or that's normal um yeah and then yeah generally don't go there again because it is a bit of a cost yeah absolutely and then i guess if we're doing all bells and whistles or we're looking for the the root cause of of the cellular hypothyroidism i guess we could also look at like inflammatory markers we could yeah. look at gut like we could do stool testing for the gut we could do blood sugar markers etc yeah. as well exactly yeah identifying what's going on underlying it's a very cellular hypothyroidism is very much driven by underlying conditions you know they're just looking thinking they've got one of those conditions it's their cells are really quite fatigued and they're just not responsive those thyroid hormone receptors are just they're energy dependent so we need good energy for thyroid hormones to cross over into the cell yeah you mentioned gut a few times as well. What's the role of the gut in all of this? Like, are we, should we be suspecting gut issues when we see someone present with cellular hypo? Yeah, possibly, particularly in that inflammatory um, response as well. So if you think about a lot of those conditions, and as you said, and, and you know, a lot of them are to do with inflammation. So, you know, I think inflammation is just that, you know, that big boy and that key to just identifying and working with so many of our patients, whether it's a thyroid condition or not. And the gut is going to be, if the gut is not working well, if there's dysbiosis, if there's, you know, um, inflammatory bacteria there, you know, if, they, if they're having an inflammatory response every time they eat food, then that's just going to be driving so many of those poor cellular conditions. Um, so yes, the gut is huge. I always think about the gut as a place of like, um, conversion as well. So we need really good gut health for thyroid hormone metabolism. So that would be considered along the, you know, those, those three steps I talk about, but, um, yeah, I think the gut, if it's, if it's, you know, you're, it's not working and also think about the gut too in hypothyroidism constipation or when you when you're experiencing low thyroid hormones or and especially if you're not getting them into the cell um then everything's going to be very slowed down and the gut and motility um is going to be slow so we can see things like SIBO we can see things like constipation interestingly too there again that points me to remember I think of constipation um I think of poor clearance of estrogen um, when we have high estrogen in the body, then we, so when the thyroid hormones, uh, leave the, uh, follicular cells from the thyroid gland and into the blood to travel to individual cells, they're actually attached to a protein called thyroid binding globulin or TBG. And they're not actually able to be converted to, uh, or get into the cell 
um, until they sort of reach that target cell and then cross over. So TBG releases them. But in the presence of high estrogen, so if you're seeing low thyroid hormones causing constipation, if, if which, you know, the bowels actually remove a lot of excess estrogen from the body, um, in the presence of high estrogen, so if someone's on the pill or HRT, this is something else to be considered, more TBG will be produced to bind onto estrogen. And the more TB that's produced in response to excess estrogen, it's going to bind onto more of that T4 that release, is released from the thyroid gland. When TB, T4 is bound to TBG, it can't be converted. So, you know, so I would be thinking of gut there. Whenever I'm seeing constipation in my clients, that's one thing I'm going to be looking at. Have they got thyroid hormone adequacy? Are they getting that sort of thyroid hormone getting into the cell and really improving the constipation picture? It will help a lot of that cellular as well because we want to really decrease that thyroid binding globulin. So we've got more T4 to actually be converted. Yeah. So many things to think about. I guess this is this is not a <laughs> DIY project, kids. <laughs> this is a go, go let your naturopath pick through the process bit by bit because it's like, you know, now we're looking for estrogen excess as well, estrogen oh, dominance as well. So, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely going to be like a flow chart to work through on this one. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess at you know the end of the day, um, you know, it's. Yeah, if you if the you know identifying that if you're that person that just feels like they've got a thyroid condition and they just keep getting told you don't have one, your, your TSH is fine, your thyroid hormones are fine, then then you know look down the path of perhaps getting that reverse T3 tested, perhaps doing some metabolic temperature testing, perhaps um, you know think do you have do indeed have one of those you know are you chronically stressed, are you inflamed, do you have fibromyalgia, any of those you know insulin resistance. All of those things that can decrease the energy of your cell and really affect those thyroid hormones getting into the cell. So then, yeah, there are a lot of things to consider, and that's where a good practitioner will really pick through and identify all those issues. Um, but, yeah, if, if you've kind of like getting alarm bells listening to this going, that's me, that's me, that's me, then, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, that there'll be plenty of people saying that right now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. And I think I've tried to sort of like try and keep it quite basic. There is lots of things to consider for sure, but you don't have to, you know, as a patient, you shouldn't have to worry about that. You, you should be seeing someone that's actually going to go, right, yep, that's going on, that's going on. But um, really in this sort of case, is that, you know, the good thing about cellular hypothyroidism, I guess, is it's not a thyroid issue, it's a cellular issue. So just correcting those underlying drivers um, can really help health of your cells and, you know, enable those thyroid hormones to get into that cell. Yeah. Do nutrient deficiencies make this situation worse? And if so, which nutrients do we need to really consider? Because I, mm. I have a feeling some wise lady who runs a thyroid program mentioned iron in said thyroid program. Oh, yes, <laughs> iron, iron definitely is very important to uh, get um, uh, the thyroid hormones into the cell. Another one is vitamin A. So vitamin A is required to activate those thyroid hormone receptors to enable the thyroid hormones to get into the cell. Vitamin A is a really, really specific one. Um, a little bit of a red flag there is, or a bit of a tip is if you've ever taken T3 medication, then, um, you know, check your vitamin A levels, levels because the higher the T3, if your vitamin A is low, then you can't, won't be able to get it into the cell. Um, vitamin D is really important as well because that, you know, helps with vitamin A metabolism. But yeah, iron is another one. If uh, Iron is just one of those really key nutrients and it seems to be deficient in all my hypothyroid women and Hashimoto's women they've all got low uh, storage iron ferritin levels um, iron is important in all parts of thyroid hormone metabolism from that again those three steps I, I talked about iron is important for that TPO enzyme within the gland in making thyroid hormone iron is important for conversion of T4 to T3 and iron is needed for the uptake of T3 into that or T4 and T3 into the cell so iron is huge yeah yep. but vitamin A has a real specific um on that receptor level there as well yeah and um, and just for anyone who's got chronically low iron and they're ticking all of these boxes in this podcast, I would definitely say in clinic I've seen huge links between gut issues and SIBO and yes. low iron and and the 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 clincher for me, <laughs> yeah, lemon low thyroid hormone levels. It's all connected. Absolutely, and the clincher for me is when they tell me that they eat enough red meat. 
and their iron levels are still really low. I'm like, well, you're doing everything right. Where's it going? It's not absorbing. Okay, where is iron absorbed? Oh, look, small intestine. That's where it goes across. Right. Now we need to know where to look for the problem. So that's good. But, yeah, I, I've seen, and I'm sure you do too, like there's a huge SIBO and Hashimoto's connection in clinic, definitely. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. What are some steps that we can take straight away? I guess step one is phone your local naturopath. <laughs> um, but um, how do we find a Praki who's across this? Like, like I said, like a few years ago, I didn't know about this, right? Mm. So I, I worry that like if we just tell people to go to the practitioner, like we want them to be a practitioner who's done good training on this probably your course um but (laughs) at least you know at least know that there is such a thing so what what are some questions that people can you know ask respectfully of this practitioner to make sure that they're going to know what to look for yeah well I'd be asking them you know have they treated a lot of thyroid condition is it their niche I think what I'm really finding these days, Jules, is that, you know, and I love this, is that a lot of practitioners are niching into, you know, specific areas. Yeah. And, you know, I get a lot of referrals from clients that, you know, say, oh, I've got this tricky thyroid case or I've even got this thyroid case. I just think she'd be better off with you. And I'm doing the same as well, referring a lot of clients. I go, do you know what? Um, yeah, you can go over here and look, there's a person over there that's, I think that's much more important for you for your sort of condition going on. Um, and so that's sort of something I think that's happening, which is quite, which is quite exciting, but also just asking the questions of, yeah, you know, do you sort of, you know, are you fluent around thyroid conditions? Have you heard of cellular hypothyroidism? You know, yeah. Can you help me with my thyroid condition or do you know someone that would be better suited? Because I think this is going on and I really want to identify it. So I think just, you know, just asking the questions, but there are, you know, a few things that they, you know, you can do. So I think bottom line with cellular hypothyroidism is, is we've always got to identify and treat that underlying condition. So that low energy, you know, chronic health or comorbid condition that's going on, you know, if there is like hypothalamic pituitary adrenal dysfunction, what we call HPA dysfunction um, or chronic stress, I mean, you know, bringing in things such as exercise, meditation and sleep, you know, just those three things. If you're not sleeping, your cells are not going to be have lots of energy. You know, you're going to be mentally and physically fatigued if you don't sleep. So working on your sleep, you know, doing some exercise if you're not too tired, bringing in some really beautiful lifestyle, meditation, being in nature, all of those nice things. Um, if you're inflamed, you know, if you've got poor gut health, if you've got a lot of aching muscles and tissues and things like that, then inflammation is something that is going on. So yeah, gut health is very important. They're looking at a predominantly anti-inflammatory diet. So taking away those triggers of gluten and dairy and sugar and caffeine and alcohol, all those lovely things. Damn but- it, it's always them, isn't it? It's always them. Yeah, or focusing on one, you know, if you really feel like you react to gluten, then trial, get rid get rid of it for a while and see if that's, you know, I found uh, clients have had yeah, the dramatic results I've seen from clients when they give up gluten. It just astounds me every time. I don't know why it keeps astounding me, but I just absolutely love it. You know, I do four days in and their, you know, their body aches and pains have gone. They can think clearly. Their gut issues have settled. You know, it's just, it's amazing. So just picking your thing and finding, okay, you know, what's going on? Um, again, looking at those, you know, making sure your iron's adequate, um, you know, vitamin A and vitamin D. You know, there's a lot of things like, you know, ubiquinol and antioxidants and resveratrol and fish oils, really good quality fish oils that can actually help and improve that cellular health that we can actually bring in directly. But I think, you know, what we talked about before is reducing inflammation is huge because those cells and tissues surrounding that inflammation will really have decreased uptake so you know gut and an anti-inflammatory diet and things like that but sleep you know sleep is huge sleep is the anti-inflammatory lifestyle tip i would say you know and just just a just one thing um that we probably haven't mentioned is one another big driver of cellular hypothyroidism is fasting and calorie restriction and i have, have been having this conversation a lot lately um, and we talked about, you know, reverse T3, why sometimes reverse T3, you know, a lot of the thyroid hormones go off to reverse T3 and it will happen in ongoing calorie restriction and, and fasting because, because that thyroid gland is like what we call the master metabolizer in the body. And in times of like stress, fasting, calorie restriction, 
it will actually naturally shunt a lot of its thyroid hormones produced to reverse T3 to slow the body down. It's a natural homeostatic function. Uh, so we can, I have seen a lot of cases of cellular hypothyroidism in women that have calorie restricted and yo-yo dieted a lot of their lives. Oh, God, so, yes, especially if one of their thyroid symptoms is weight gain. Yes, it's oh, huge. It's yes. huge. And the more they calorie restrict, the more they can actually fatigue their cells and the more that that thyroid hormone is going to go, no, I'm not going into that cell because I don't know when the next meal is coming. I don't want to be metabolizing. You might be three more days and I'm still not going to get any food to metabolize. So I'm going to just, so reverse T3 is that you know natural biomarker in times of, the body kind of going, oh, what's going on? Famine, fasting, calorie restriction, stress, trauma. So it's a natural um, progression. So if you're someone that, you know, is fasting a lot, and, and look, there's a lot of research for intermittent fasting. I'm, I love it. There's it, definitely a time and place. But if you have a suspected thyroid condition, intermittent fasting, whilst you're in an imbalance or a dysfunctional state is not the best for you. I do have clients when we've got them in a really good place that they might do a kind of um, like a soft um, fasting approach, intermittent fasting approach, but, uh, you know, and it really works well for them, but it doesn't work well for everyone. And if your thyroid is really quite out of whack, more fasting, more restricting those calories can actually have the opposite effect that you're actually going for. And, you know, I just have this conversation with women all the time. They look at me like, I've been doing this all my life and now you're telling me that it's bad for me and I've really perhaps upset my thyroid gland and it's quite devastating for them. But yeah. it's like, yes, I need you to eat. I need you to eat really well and, you know, have a really lovely, you know, three good meals and a nutrient-dense anti-inflammatory diet and let's get you sort of back on track and get things, you know, metabolizing normally again. Yeah, and for women who grew up, you know, in the 80s and 90s especially, it's yep. so counterintuitive because everything we heard and every magazine we read and every advertisement for weight loss on, on the telly, was it was all around just eat less, eat less, exercise more. And so it's ingrained in us that that's what we just need to do. And those ridiculous, I'm a product of the 80s, and those ridiculous diets every month in Clio, Dolly, Cosmopolitan. Oh, God. <laughs> Diet, the soup, diet, the no wheat diet. The you soup just, diet. My best friend and I, when we were like 16, she used to get the Cosmo or something and we'd just look through, what diet are we on this month? It's like, oh, my God, crazy. For young girls, it was terrible. Yeah, I used to, when I wanted to lose weight, I would just eat steamed veggies and rice. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, how, how did that go, you reckon? <laughs> Where's the protein? Protein is big. Protein is, is definitely what it's all about as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we need to, we really need to re-educate women, especially that it's not about eating less. It's about getting the inflammation down and, and getting the nutrients up and then seeing where things are at. Yeah. Yeah. If you're inflamed, if you've got, you know, chronic stress, you know, all nutrition deficiencies, you've got cellular hypothyroidism, your ability to lose weight is nil. It, you are, like I say to my clients, you are running up a hill with a sack of bricks on your back. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So we have to hit pause on the weight loss thing. Yes. Do all this other beautiful work first. Yeah. And then come back to where you park the weight loss idea and see whether where it's at. Like, do you even still need to look at, mm. at some sort of diet to lose weight or is it now starting to just take care of itself? Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that yeah. so often as well. Decrease the inflammation. You know, it just comes back to everything we've talked, we've been talking about and decreasing that inflammation, getting those cells really healthy and responsive to thyroid hormones. There's some amazing studies out there around weight loss and, and reverse T3 and T3 and how this, you know, calorie restriction um, uh, has actually affected you know, weight loss, to, you know, adversely. It's it's quite, it's really interesting. But like you said, when you're talking to women about this, that they've grown up, that is what they've learned their whole lives and what they believed their whole lives that they were doing the right thing. And you, you kind of really challenge that belief. It can be really quite um, confronting for them to, mm. but, but it's so true. Once we fix those underlying inflammation and um, stress and bringing all that down, it, it, yeah, often women don't have to diet. Well, I'm, well, I'm constantly getting them off. I just, I don't want them to diet. We're not yeah. dieting anymore, people. Diets yes. are out. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. Yes, same. How freeing. 
<laughs> How liberating. No more diets. Excellent. Excellent. You've made my day. You've made my year. <laughs> right. That was easy. Um, all right, my love. Look, uh, would you like to tell everyone like what you're what you currently do and where they can find you? Because like I, I'm a huge advocate of your course. Like you've just released round two of your Pracky training for thyroid and I'm so I'm redoing your course like right now. Like I was literally watching it on Saturday and it's awesome. And like even for an experienced practitioner, like there's so much stuff in there that you just go, oh my God, I never knew that little bit of information. Holy crap. Like there's there's always so much to learn from you. So but you still see people one on like um clients one on one as well. Is that right? Yes, I'm starting to change the way I'm practicing. So I've been running um, thyroid programs, I think at programs for a while. And now um, moving forward, I'm starting to see people, yes, definitely with that one-on-one consultation, but moving them into my programs as well, because I'm really seeing the benefits of, um, you know, plus all, you know, my books are really busy and full, um, my appointments. But so I've created programs where I come in and I speak to people um, and, and, you know, that one-to-many concept where I can actually help so many people through my, my patient programs, um, just like my, my practitioner programs as well, but you're getting so much more information because when you're in that sort of very narrow consultation process, there's only so much I can talk about and I feel like I've missed so much of that, like like the information you do get in that, that those practitioner programs. It's all in the patient program as well. So I'm talking about all those little tips and tricks and, you know, other sort of concepts that doesn't happen in a, in a you know, one-to-one consultation process. So, yeah, moving into more of those, you know, um, programs with, with my clients and, and getting yeah, great results that way. And then I have, yeah, if you're a practitioner listening, having an updated level one and I'm also running a level two as well. Um, yeah, so there's lots of ways that you can come in and, um, yeah, work with me. Amazing. That's so cool that you're doing a one-to-many model as well for patients because that just means you get to help more people. That's right. Exactly. Awesome. All right, Tara Nelson, thank you so much for everything that you do for both patients and prackies out there. Like we all love you and you are our go-to thyroid queen. So thank you so much for sharing this wisdom with us today because um, this is information that really needs to get out there. So I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I've really enjoyed being back. Yay. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed listening to Straight Talking Natural Health. If you liked what you heard, make sure you hit subscribe so that you're the first to know when new episodes drop. In the meantime, head over to my website at julesgalloway.com. There's all kinds of resources available there if you're keen to get started to live your best, healthiest, most energized life. When I'm not podcasting, I'm seeing clients one-on-one via Zoom. So why not book in and let's work together? I love helping my clients to heal from fatigue, anxiety, inflammation, gut problems, and chronic health issues, to name just a few. All of this and more is available right now over at julesgalloway.com. That's all from me for the time being. I look forward to diving in with you again in the next episode. Bye for now.